All right, Alexander, let's uh, talk about China and Russia, because uh, just the other day, a couple of days ago, we had this hysteria from Secretary of State Blinken, from the uh, U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations. She gave an interview to CNN, and both of them were talking about uh, China crossing their red lines and perhaps providing uh, lethal ammunition to, to Russia and how that would lead to the devastating consequences for uh, for China and China gave its response to the uh, to the U.S. Uh, warnings and um, we now have Wang Yi in Moscow meeting with uh, with Lavrov, isn't it? I believe absolutely be meeting well, with Lavrov. The, so the so that's that's kind of that, that's an interesting response from 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 China, you know. Well, it is. <laughs> we're I mean, off to I, Moscow. I, see, see you later. To, see you later. Well, it is. well, I've got to say a few things about this. First of all, it's interesting that the United States, which denies that everybody else has a right to red lines, insists that others must comply with its own. You remember way back in 2021, Putin was saying, look, we've got our red lines in Ukraine, which you need to respect. And of course, the United States said, no, we're not interested in your red lines. But apparently the United States is willing to impose red lines and has red lines and it's talking to China about what those red lines are and I have to say I found the whole thing a bit hysterical given that the United States is happy to ship arms to all sorts of countries that are engaged in all kinds of conflicts from Ukraine to the Saudis to well you name it and uh, you know apparently China is not able or allowed to ship arms to its closest friend, which is, of course, Russia. Not that China is shipping arms to Russia, nor so far as we know that Russia has asked China for arms. But it is a fact that the economic links between these two countries are burgeoning. China is rapidly uh, becoming Russia's biggest trade partner, overtaking the EU collectively. China is also a major importer of Russian oil, equal with India, by the way. So the economic side is developing fast. They've clearly got a close strategic relationship ongoing. And, of course, Wang Yi, who's no longer China's foreign minister, he's actually been promoted. He's now a member of the Chinese Politburo, in other words, the key decision-making body in China, not its standing committee, but the Politburo nonetheless, and is clearly the man who's in overall charge of foreign and security policy in China. Anyway, he's off to Moscow, where he's going to meet his dear friend, Sergei Lavrov. That's how they refer to each other. And the rumour is that he's going to meet Putin as well. And if you remember, there was all this talk a few days ago about Chinese peace plan for Ukraine. Well, you know, I've now seen all the various... um, um, transcripts that the Chinese foreign ministry, readouts the Chinese foreign ministry has provided. It seems, well, Wang Yi has said that they will provide a position paper about Ukraine, but it's going to simply repeat points. And he makes this clear that China has always made that, you know, that there should be a cessation of the fighting, there should be negotiations, that uh, uh, there should be a cessation of weapons supplies to Ukraine, because that's prolonging the war. He says that the West, by prolonging the war, is fighting it to the last Ukrainian, 
that is clearly obstructing peace moves in Ukraine. So he's clearly signalling all of this. And, of course, his point was that this is the position that China has been adopting right through the entire history of the conflict. It's not a peace plan. He wants the two sides to return to the negotiations that they were conducting last March. And this position paper will be part of a much bigger position paper that China's going to publish, setting out China's entire views about the whole direction of international relations. So that's what he's doing. Now, remember, the neocons, part of the neocon plan is weaken Russia so that you isolate China. What they're actually achieving is that they're drawing China and Russia closer together. And that's what Wang Yi's visit to Moscow is all about. And if you see all the commentaries about it in the Chinese media, that's what they're saying. It, it's a done deal. I mean, isn't it? At this point, it's China and Russia are, I mean, they, they don't have a declared formal alliance, but I mean, it is, it, it is what it is. I mean, there's, it is, it this is, is, this is a huge, this is a huge backfire for by, by the neocons and by the Biden White House. It is a huge backfire. Historic. It is, it is. Historic. It is historic. Well, can I just say, I mean, you know, just to give an example, there's, I saw a Chinese cartoon in which you saw the China-Russia relations. It's this giant, big redwood tree. And America is trying to sort of saw it and cut it. And all its tools get broken. <laughs> so, I mean, that, that's, that's the Chinese take on this. So, the point is... The Chinese know what the neocons are about. They know what the neocons' um, plan is, you know, break Russia, come after China eventually. And, of course, that gives the Chinese an enormous incentive to make sure that Russia isn't broken. Now, there's no sign that the Russians have asked the Chinese for weapons, and I don't think they will. They might do. I mean, they might ask for some weapons on the side. After all, they went to Iran to get drones from Iran and, some things like that. But what the Ch Russians do want is trade partners. And that's what China is, get, is providing. I mean, they've now just built more bridges, you know, between, over the rivers that separate the two countries. Trade is burgeoning. Wang Yi is going to uh, Moscow. And one of the things he's doing while he's there is he's preparing the visit to Moscow of Xi Jinping, which everybody knows is coming. It really is quite incredible how uh, how quickly, given Biden's obsession with uh, with destroying the Biden White House, with destroying Russia and using Ukraine as a proxy, how quickly it's brought uh, over the last year. It's brought Russia and China together. I mean, they were on that path. Yeah. And it was happening. But yeah. I mean, the Biden White House accelerated it by like oh, 10 years. I mean, I, I think yeah. it was going to probably take like five years, let's say, yeah. until they got to the point where they were really, you know, re really well aligned uh, on all levels. But what, what would have taken five years? They've achieved it in, in one year. I mean, yes. Congratulations, uh, Biden. Congratulations. <laughs> Good and job. Of course, and, uh, and of course, the EU. I mean, you know, Borrell uh, had a you know a, a meeting with uh, Wang Yi while he was in Munich. So, by the way, did Kuleba, the um, uh, Ukrainian foreign minister? They're all worried about this. 
They're all very, very worried about what China is doing. And, you know, they're trying to talk to Wang Yi. And he says, he comes along, he says, look, you know, we're not en your enemies, we're your friends, we've got your relationships with you. But, you know, our core relationship now is with the Russians. You know, that's, you've brought it about, that's what you've done. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's what, I'm not, I'm not saying those are his words, but that's the overall message that both his words and his actions are now conveying. And if you want peace, you want to, you know, to sort things out, we're there to help. But you've got to change your entire direction of your policy about Ukraine, because that's leading you into a crazy blind alley. And I agree. I think China and Russia were already pretty close before this war began. The wars made them even closer. Perhaps the even more alarming thing, um, if I was a neocon, is that India, which the they counted on as the counterbalance to China, has now clearly become disillusioned with the West as well. And um, they're forging ahead with their relationships with the Russians, the Indians are. And one gets the sense that they're trying, they're edging towards trying to improve their relations with the Chinese. Because the Indians are looking at the Biden White House, they're looking at the neocons, and they say... We don't want to be involved with these people. These people are going to involve us in all kinds of wars and problems that have nothing to do with us. It's, it's India, which is huge, but there's, it's Iran and it's Saudi Arabia and it's, it's uh, Brazil, Brazil and Argentina. Argentina and, and South and, and Africa. The global, and the, the global South, yeah, South Africa. And, Egypt. And, and all of these. Uh, Indonesia. Yeah, Indonesia. It's, it's like. <laughs> Mexico. The, the, the moment. It's the exact opposite of what they were saying was going to happen when they put together these shock and awe sanctions against Russia, that Russia was going to be isolated. Yeah. We've reached a point now where I think we can safely say that the countries that are isolated from the rest of the world, from the 80% of the world, are the 20%. It is the United States, Europe, the US, EU, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. That's the isolated yeah. world now. Yes, I agree. I do think the it's, public in these. I do think the public it, in these. Yeah, I do think the public in these countries no, understand ahead. that. But you're absolutely the, the public in the, the you know Western public understands that it hasn't yet got, got through. But the policymakers are starting to realizing it, and they get it, and they're starting to panic. And I mean, you know, the French have been pushed out of Africa. <laughs> the South Africans, as I said, are now engaged in naval exercises with the Chinese and the Russians. The Brazilians are refusing to supply weapons to Europe. The vice president of Colombia, you know, Colombia, America's closest ally in Latin America, is saying, you know, this is, you know, you've gone crazy over this war. They're all coming together. Everybody's coming together. And they're saying, we don't agree with you. This isn't right. You're, all, you're clearly uh, uh, wrong here. And as you said, it's the West that's isolated, not the Russians. They've achieved the opposite of what they expected that they would do. Yeah, even, even Mexico, the, the neighbor to the south is like, we yeah. don't want anything to do with, with you guys. You, you, yes. you, you've lost your minds. Yes. I mean, it's this is it's such a 
such a t- huge miscalculation on their part. Yes. Didn't anyone in the Biden White House, in all of these think tanks, didn't anyone sit down and say, you know, if we continue to push this Ukraine proxy war against Russia and continue to listen to these neocons, just maybe, just maybe we're going to be pushing Russia together with China and then countries are going to also align with Russia and China and we're going to find ourselves isolated with a deindustrialized, bankrupt European Union to take care of as well. I mean, didn't anyone like anticipate this? No, they must have because these guys some, are getting paid the big bucks in D.C. <laughs> you know, yeah, some, I mean, pe- some people, some people, no, of course, some people will have will have anticipated this and there will have been words of warning made. But we saw, uh, uh, you know, from Seymour Hersh's journalism that the core decision group is very small and it doesn't listen to advice and it's out of control and it makes increasingly reckless decisions and the rest of the political system is not challenging it, is not standing up and pushing back. Now, there are finally, I have to say, some important dissident voices, but they're only appearing in the United States. So Josh Hawley did what I thought was a very interesting, a very interesting, very well-constructed, extremely intelligent speech now about foreign policy. Now, he also went off a bit on the deep end, about China, which I didn't particularly like, I didn't agree with. But having said that, when you read Josh Hawley's comments, you can see that this is a thinking man and somebody who's clearly concerned that the US is over-committed and wildly and disastrously over-invested in Ukraine. And now Ron DeSantis has come out and has also made comments after Biden's uh, visit to uh, Kiev. He said, you know, that this is, you know, we're giving another blank check. We're not worrying about our own borders. He's starting to talk a little like Josh Hawley is. So there are people in the United States and they're important people and they're growing in number and growing in strength who are starting to push back against these policies. But I'm afraid that hasn't yet reached critical mass. Yeah. The interesting part about DeSantis' comment was that uh, I, I I read it and I was like, OK, he's he's finally taking a foreign policy decision, which I think is quite interesting. It may be a hint that he's now actually seriously considering running for president because I haven't heard him take any type of foreign policy uh, position since he became governor. I, don't, I, I can't yes. remember one no. one foreign policy decision that he's weighed in on. So he is weighing in on this, which is, I think, interesting in and of itself. But he also said that Russia is a third-rate military. In other words, they're weak and we shouldn't even mess around with them, which you, you could see some of that neocon thinking is still yes. is still yeah. embedded in, in inside of him. Yeah, but, yes. but he yes. he is taking a, the, the correct – his orientation is correct. He's Absolutely. oriented in the right that. direction, which is to get out I, of this mess. I agree with that. I, I, I feel the same way about Josh Hawley and about his comments about China. I think he's going, oh, he's making the opposite mistake to the one that DeSantis is making about Russia. I, I think DeSantis underestimates Russia. I think uh, Hawley talks about China in an overinflated 
as an overinflated threat. That's my own view. But the point is, again, Hawley's orientation. He says we have to pursue a nationalist foreign policy focused on US interests. And that is a fundamental break from, you, from neocon thinking. And to the extent that DeSantis appears to be doing the point, you know, moving in the same direction, then it's only to be welcomed. The, the, key of, the key moment is going to come, and it will come at some point, probably not this year, perhaps in the, you know, the election year next year, which is election year. The, 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 the key point will come when the people in the Pentagon, the people behind the Rand Corporation report that we discussed, and doubters like DeSantis, Hawley, and all the others come together. Um, that's what happened in the US in the 60s um, over Vietnam. And it might be the same eventually with uh, uh, the war in Ukraine. And in the meantime, of course, while all that's going on, the Chinese are quietly going about their business. And they're the big winners. I mean, they are clearly now, I think, becoming the big winners from this war. They're getting Russia closer connected to themselves. They're reducing the tensions with India. And they're able to project themselves to the rest of the world, the world outside the West, as the great power that talks sanity and reason and wants to preserve peace. <laughs> and that's always a good position to be in. And they're playing it with great skill. Yeah, I agree. All right, uh, thedurand.locals.com. We are also on Rockfin as well. And go to the Durand shop, 10% off. Use the code. Good day. Take care.